Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Whether it's the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies, these guys have got you covered. And the Heat, fellas! You're locked on to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. One, two, three, move it! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Five and twelve eighty the zone. We want to remind you about our friends at Homey. Finally, the real uh, the way real estate should be full service local agents, and you will save thousands. Homey, a better way to buy or sell. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, he makes the magic happen on Channel Five KSL. He's getting ready to cover the Olympics. He's our friend Sam Farnsworth. What's up, Sam? What's going on, guys? We're doing well. We're curious, and we mean this with all due respect, honestly. What kind of preparations are you making for the Olympics? Like, are, are you getting the, the burner phone, the prepaid phone? Are you having to go into quarantine before? <laughs> like, there are a lot of things we've read that are suggestions for how people are going over there. Yeah, there, it's, it's crazy, and it's like an ongoing, uh, very fluid <laughs> uh, approach to the Olympic Games. There's no doubt about that. So basically, uh, the plan, you know, is to wipe the computer clean. Ba- basically, so they're going to take my laptop and, and clone it, is what they call it, right? So that they've got an exact copy of what I, my current setup and everything that's on there, and then totally wipe it clean and just put the bare bones minimum of, of what I need to operate with. And then when I get, you know, upon returning, they would take the laptop, make sure that there's nothing on it, and, and maybe they would just destroy the laptop. Uh, I'm, I'm dead serious. Huh. And get me a new laptop, but whatever it is they end up doing, they take my old clone and put it back on the laptop so that there's no connections to, um, you know, potentially uh, any viruses or yeah. spyware or, or anything like that, right? And, and then the burner phone situation, um, a lot of people I know are just getting like, those, you know, what, a Walmart phone for a month or something like that. Um, 
I, I was just going to delete most of the stuff from my phone or just put it on a cloud or something like that. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. All the stuff they tell us, the quarantine thing is, is pretty nuts, but because they have a closed-loop circuit set up, basically it, it's a situation where as long as you're testing negative leading up to departure date and then test negative upon arrival, you enter into their closed circuit, their, their bubble, and once you enter into the bubble, there's no quarantine uh, you know, needed any uh, any other person going to China to visit China would have to quarantine for 21 days before they would be allowed to go out into public. But but because they've got a closed circuit and basically you have to stay within that circuit, you don't have to do the quarantine. That's kind of the agreement that I guess the Chinese government and uh, the IOC came up with. So you won't be able to go anywhere outside of what's in that circuit, including like, you can go to venues, I'm sure. But uh, but that's it, right? No Great Wall for you. Yeah, no touring, no public restaurants, no uh, no public transportation. Uh, the, the setup they have is basically you get there, um, they've got NBC has hired um, drivers and vehicles where only, I think, I, from what I understand, only three passengers per vehicle, um, and you have to take those vehicles from venue to venue. Or from hotel to venue, and and you so basically only the hotel, only the uh, the NBC compound, the work center that they've got, and then the venues that you are given given access to are, are the only places you're allowed to go. So it's uh, yeah, not, it doesn't sound that exciting, does it? <laughs> yeah, good luck with all that. We're gonna talk some NFL, <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Well, what's been the biggest surprise for you uh, as you've looked to the NFL playoffs of uh, you know the four teams that are remaining? What's been the best storyline? What have you enjoyed about it? I really enjoyed um, watching Joe Burrow and what he's done with Cincinnati. It's just been a lot of fun to see. Uh, and, and I've got some quarterback envy here, you know, being a, a Broncos fan who's really struggled to figure out their quarterback situation for many years now. You see a guy like Joe Burrow come into the league, have the success that he's had early on, then, and then this year, what, he has the 500-something yard game. I think it's the, the third or fourth uh, biggest passing game in history, and now he's got a team one step away from the Super Bowl. That's uh, him and his connection with Jamar Chase has been just so much fun to watch. And I think any team out there that's trying to rebuild and and get back to uh, some form of a playoff contender is looking at the Bengals with some jealousy right now. And so uh, it's pretty cool to see what they've done. And and uh, oh, man, that that Chiefs and Bills game was just something else, wasn't it? Um, that was so much fun to watch. And, and, again, I'm going to the quarterback situation where you've got two young quarterbacks uh, um, it, that are probably going to be the face of the NFL for the next decade in, in that game. And, and, and I'm just watching all these teams thinking, gosh, what's wrong with the Broncos? Why can't they find the right, right fit? So, uh, But it's just been so much fun to watch these, these young players really evolve into the superstars that they are and to take their teams uh, this step. So, uh, as we see it, and I know I've talked about this with you guys before, I had the Chiefs and the, the Packers. Well, the Packers are now out, and I honestly really don't care for the Chiefs. So uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to see a Bengals-Niners rematch from what? Was that 89 or 88, yeah. whenever it was? That would be a lot of fun. So, uh, Sam, uh, best guess, where is Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback next year? <laughs> Oh, man, my best guess is I honestly think uh, Green Bay is probably still still in the, the driver's seat, right? I mean, with all the drama that he's been through, 
with that organization to make it sound like he didn't even want to be there and then he still found a way to be back on that roster this past season and not only be on the roster but have an MVP caliber season and and take them into the playoffs. If Green Bay finds a way to, to keep all the pieces he wants, and, and it may not be possible, I've seen the reports, yeah, um, you know, that that there could be maybe a, a Rodgers-Devontae Adams package deal out there, you know. Um, but if Green Bay is able, I, I still think Green Bay is in the driver's seat to make it happen. It just depends on what they want to do and if, if they're willing to do it. Let me ask you this, Sam, because you're talking about it right now with the quarterback envy of the Denver Broncos, and there is quarterback envy for a lot of teams around the NFL. When we look at Mm -hmm. Pat Mahomes, and we look at Josh Allen, and we look at maybe Burrow now is the most recent one, but obviously Herbert's pretty incredible too. Are we going to continue to see this crazy influx of talent? Like, Is that just the new standard for quarterbacks coming into the NFL, or does it just so happen we have three potentially all-time greats, and they're they're all you know been in the league five or six years or fewer, and it just mm-hmm. so happens they're there? Or have we raised the standard of where all the quarterbacks that are coming to the league are going to be these you know Madden football game-like types of players? That's a great question. I mean, I, I, think, I think there's been a little bit of a – uh, luck in, in, in the draw here. Similar to, uh, we've seen this kind of over history of the NFL, little waves, little pockets of, of quarterbacks kind of all coming into the league at the same time. You know, uh, Elway, Marino, um, uh, Jim Kelly, they kind of all came in that same era, right? And then, and then um, uh, you know, now you, you've, you've got this, or, you know, you had Roethlisberger, Manning, and Rivers all come in together. Um, it, it, now you've got these guys all kind of coming in together. I, the problem is, so I don't, to answer your question, I don't think that's the norm. I don't think we're, at, like, I'm, I'm looking at this draft class and I'm trying to figure out, is there a quarterback that could be, uh, you know, a, a star NFL starter? And I, I just am having a hard time pinpointing one in this draft class. Um, but that, when you have all these young guys, and, and this is the problem the Broncos have had, you, you have that uh, expectation level and, and the lack of patience, I think, to develop quarterbacks at times. So, I still think there's, uh, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it local. So Zach Wilson, you know, he didn't have the greatest rookie year, but I still feel like I watch his video and I see his skills, and I still think, you know, if, if he's in the right system and has patient coaches, that that's a guy who could be a good starting quarterback, maybe a top ten in the next four or five years. But the problem is, do teams have that patience anymore? It's almost like we have to strike uh, in year one or year two, and if not, we're moving on. So I just don't think – that uh, that should be the expectation level, but these young guys, uh, you know, if they find the right system, like Josh Allen is one of those guys that I didn't think I, I, I'll, I'll call myself out when I saw his his uh, college video and stuff. I'm like, man, I just don't I don't know how he's going to translate to the NFL. But boy, he has sure done that and done it very well. Sam, Ben and I were talking yesterday about how wide open the NBA is this year. There's there's really not one team like the Warriors a few years ago where you look and say, well, unless something crazy happens, they're going to win it. So with that in mind, who is the favorite to win the NBA title? <laughs> Man, that's a great question uh, because I, I agree with you. It, it, and that's a good thing for Jazz fans, right, that it feels like there's any any team's chance. I still I still like – I still like the Jazz as being a contender. I wouldn't call them the favorites right now, but I still like them as being a contender. You know, uh, I look back at the the seven, eight games that they've lost, and I think I think in the eight games they've lost in this recent skid, 
um, if I remember right, they've had about six different starting lineups, you know, for, for whatever the reasons, COVID, injuries, whatever. And so I, I, think, I think there's something to say about continuity for the Utah Jazz and, and the lack of it recently. Um, but, man, I, look, I, I thought for sure a month, a month ago you'd, I would say, you know, I think the Warriors are back on top. I think they're the, they're the team to beat. But now, and, you know, they, they seem like they're, they are mortal as well. So I have a hard time saying that there's one team in particular that's, that's uh, the front runner right now. So I, I'm sorry I didn't give you a great answer there. But that's, that's a good thing for the NBA, though. I think it's great. NBA trade deadline is three weeks from tomorrow. Uh, or excuse me, two weeks from tomorrow. Excuse me, it's coming up even closer than I expected. Two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, is this the roster we still see coming up on February 11th, or the Jazz make a move before this? Ooh, good question. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like if a move's made, it's going to be a deadline type move, right? Um, I, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't have. Uh, a great feel on how um, you know Danny Ainge is feeling with with this club since he's come over, but I kind of I kind of get the impression that he's been watching and observing and waiting, um, and if he's going to make a move, I just feel like it's going to be one of those deadline moves, uh, you know, a day or two before the deadline. So, um, is it going to be the roster? Uh, gosh, it kind of feels like a change needs to be made. I just don't know what that change is quite yet. Well, Sam, thank you as always for uh, jumping on the show and uh, you know getting ready for China and all that. Oh, I don't know if you're a Disney guy, but whatever you do, leave the Winnie the Pooh shirt at home. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. All Thanks right. for the advice. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right. There you go, our friend Sam Farnsworth, KSL Channel Five, getting ready to go over there to uh, China. You know, it's going to be an experience for him and. Uh, I'm excited for the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics itself, uh, itself are fun. It's a fun way for the country to get together and gather around, and we all kind of have the same rooting interests, and that's obviously getting more and more rare. So that's a fun part of the Olympics, and I'll be excited for it. What is your go-to Winter Olympic event? What is the, I mean, a lot of folks out there would say figure skating, right? Uh, yeah, I'll probably go with skating, in all honesty. Like, I'll be tracking Nathan Chen. Like, that's going to be okay. my big thing. I've never been a Sean White guy, but it's also cool that he's kind of in that, the end of his career, he's like turned into Dirk Nowitzki or Tim Duncan Lake, guys who you may have rooted against at one point in your career, that you get to a, a certain point, you're like, oh, I just love that person because they're they're so important. They're such a figure. They belong in the canon of, of certainly snowboarding, and I'm, you know, he, I'm not all that up on it, but I'm sure most people would say he's the greatest snowboarder of all time, and seeing him compete for the last time is pretty cool. I love the ski events, specifically the freestyle okay. and the downhill. Yeah. Those are the two. They're I'm insane. Yeah. The long jump is insane or whatever the... Uh, uh, the aerials? No, not the air. The, the one that's really just, we're going to shoot you down the biggest hill. We're going to send you off the biggest jump and you fly as long as you can yeah. and don't die when you get to the bottom. Whatever that one is. The long jump. Yeah, the ski jump. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. And it's, you know, they're never more than like... I can't remember what the average is, but it's like eight or ten feet off the ground. Yeah. Still out there for a long time. Yeah, they're kind of fighting natural gravity, right? right. Like the trajectory of like, we're going to make the hill just steep enough that as they fall, the hill falls with them. Right. And so, yeah, then they See, the land. The aerials would be the one that scare me because they're legitimately going like 50 feet off the ground. Yes. And the going from the moguls... Right into the freestyle is the single stupidest. They are, or and the, the right aerial jazz is like, and then right yeah. back to the moguls. Yeah, like here's what we need you to do. 
take these knees to your face, up to your chin, for 20 seconds, and then, you know, give me a double full spin, double back flip. Land it. By the way, you landed on a mogul, and right. you have to get right Go back. right back to it. it. It's amazing. I went, I went to the uh, freestyle skiing uh, in 02 when it was here. It was up at Deer Valley, and it was awesome. Oh, it you can go so watch. Fun. It really is amazing. That on any given day you want to, you can go up to the Olympic or the Olympic kind of museum that they have up there. The Olympic Park? The Olympic Park. And you can see some of the greatest athletes on earth just like jumping into the pool. Oh, yeah. we uh, Just practicing. They do a show during the summers up there. We went to it twice this past summer. It was great. But it's like it's one of the- The flying aces. It's one of the great training facilities that's available. And it's just out there. Like we have all these incredible, incredible facilities right in our backyard. You know they keep that pool ice cold? Sweet. Thanks for doing that. Could at least give them some warm water. Yeah, I mean, come on, make it ice cold. There. Sunny out. Yeah. All right. Uh, big thanks to uh, Sam for jumping on. What's your go-to summer uh, Olympic uh, event? I, honestly, I love that. The, this is the best part of the Olympics for me. Is it allows you just to be a front runner, right? Like when we have a good bobsledder, the country's going to rally behind whoever the bobsledder is this year. When we don't have Nathan Chen, nobody cares about men's ice skating. But you know, when you have Apollo Anton Ono, great. Rally behind Apollo Anton. Like, whatever's going to be good that year, I'm fully on board with saying I'm the biggest Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps fan. And when they don't swim out there, I'm going to say, yeah, it's not even, swimming's not even that big of a, <laughs> it's not even that big of a thing. When we had the incredible uh, men's gymnastics team a few years ago, or you have Simone Biles or whatever it is, easy to rally. When they don't, I don't care about it. And I get to pick and choose that. So every you're four about years. the athletes. I'd see. I'm more about the events. I'd say I'm not a diehard th- events I guy. I don't think about it that way. No, I'm way more shallow than you are. But we knew that. Well, yeah, we did. We knew I was way more shallow than you. Correct. Megan, you an Olympian? You like a, you a fan of the Olympics? You, I, I like Megan. Miracle Megan has a, like a big family thing. Like you've seen very family oriented. It seems like you watch. I imagine the Miracle family getting together on the couch, turning on NBC, KSL, Channel 5. You hear the music come on and the whole gang's there. Do you guys have like an event? Maybe during the opening ceremonies. Okay, but you guys gather and watch. Yeah. yeah, you read that way to me. The family feels that way, which is fine. That is a thing that you know. I remember watching it with my parents growing up. I'm going to make my kids sit and watch it. I'm going to torture my kids, make them watch make the Olympics them? this year. They're not that interested. They don't want to watch it. They're but not. you're going to make them. Yeah, going to beat some America into them. I don't think that's how you get them to like it by making them. Yeah, life's tough. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Tough love. Uh, do we uh, do we have any word on jazz sound? We were uh, hoping maybe we can get some jazz sound coming up here in the 11 o'clock hour. We're still waiting. They haven't started. Still waiting. So potentially get you some jazz sound next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. Belt, belt. Time for a jazz update here on Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Here is Daniel House talking about the, this jazz as a team and a franchise embracing him. I love everyone here. I mean, they welcome me with open arms, except to me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They're always making me comfortable. So especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain way for years and then come over here and be welcome with, with loving arms, it makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why I feel like the staff, the organization, they just do an unbelievable job just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. This Jazz Update is brought to you by Five. 
five-star painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with five-star painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. Fivestarpainting.com. coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com Jake Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Speaking of strawberry and banana smoothies, if we we were on a sales call yesterday, we need to start pitching like smoothie companies that don't deliver a smoothie. We get little Caesars on jazz nights. You guys always have a little little Caesars set uh, set up here. We need a smoothie company. We need somebody to come in and deliver us some, some something green, some some red every once in a while. I agree. Let's take that. Let's get a little that healthy done. lunch. Yeah. Let's get a smoothie company. It You're is. on board. You're listening right now. You know a smoothie guy. We want to be. The face of your smoothies. Is, is Zuka Juice still a thing? Nope. Nope. That's been gone for 22 years. <laughs> Do you remember Zuka Juice? Zuka? Yeah. Well, it was like Zuka was pre-Jamba, right? Yeah. Jamba, Jamba Juice bought, bought out Zuka. Zuka. So I don't know if it was this way. I was in high school in the Zuka Juice era. And you know the stuff that becomes stupidly trendy in high school that yep. you eventually just look back on and go, God, that was the stupidest thing ever. Carrying around a Zuka Juice it was cup a thing. was a thing. Oh, man. Rolling into my journalism class 15 minutes late with a like a... 84 ounce Zuka juice that is really 80% ice cream <laughs> was, was a thing you're 100% right that was a that was a status symbol oh you don't have a Zuka juice in your hand and to be fair they Jeez. were 1150 they were really expensive I know. In who could afford it but that was the thing no, there's just water in here. I just, just I can't afford to throw away the styrofoam I cup. keep the same Zuka juice cup and just <laughs> can't afford it. hey hey I don't know those those dumb trends that hit school that you just look at it like, but but when you're going through it, you're like, Mom, we have got to get Tezuka juice. I've got it, and I'm going to save the cup so I can walk around in the hall. With I've it. got this weird dynamic that you're not there yet, but you will get there. My I don't let my kids have a TikTok. They don't have social media. I have a nine year old, but I don't let. He doesn't have a phone or anything, so he doesn't have a social media presence. Nor does he need to, but he will play some online video games, and I will see things trickle down from TikTok that I probably. Can't Catch because I'm a middle-aged person. I probably catch TikTok trends like two weeks after they were actually popular. Okay, but they kind of finally make it into my goofy little algorithm that I have not curated. Right, all. right. But I will get a taste of it. And that, if once I get it, my son will st- inevitably start like talking to his friends, and I'll hear him say something like four days later that I just learned about. So I'm about the same level of social coolness that your average third grader is and like what they're talking about with recess as far as like pop culture references and you will get there you've got a four-year-old four-year-old five four four almost five but four yeah uh my six-year-old doesn't have it yet she doesn't her her friends are not quite on the uh, social media but there are enough nine-year-olds apparently out there that are browsing tiktok that my son is getting them at about the same rate i am now and you'll get that. And that's an interesting development when you realize you've lost total control of the of the people in your life. See, I think from a technological standpoint, and this is just a theory here. So, so let me know if you think this is way off. But when it comes to raising my children, I think I'm going to raise them with the same amount of technological ability that I had at their age. Okay. 
That's I think that's a, probably a good rule. Cell of thumb. phone? Absolutely not. If you can find yeah. a, if you can find a pager, knock yourself right out. My son <laughs> will get his first cell phone when he's twenty years old. The same way I, I think <laughs> I was. I when I got my first cell phone, honestly, I think I was twenty one. Maybe yeah. that feels about right. I was even a little bit late for my people, but I moved out of that my parents' house. My mom was like, "You don't have a phone at your house, so take mine, you little bozo, and, and you can have it." She gave it to me. So that's what I'm feeling. Like uh, you want to you want to get online? Well, if you can find an AOL. Account, sure. Right. Yeah. But until you do. Right. I didn't have a Twitter account until I was 17. So my son, eight years until you can jump on Twitter. I didn't have a I laptop. Probably, I was probably like 24. I didn't have a laptop until I graduated college. Right. So that's that's the way I'm going. If it was around when I was your age, sure. Did you have a car when you were 16? Uh, yes. Because uh, I got, of course, my dad's old one and he bought a new car. You yeah. Know, nice how that works. But I did crash it like. 30 days into having it, so... It's tough. That was an interesting experience. Are we going to play some jazz sound? Is he not wrapped yet? We're still waiting. It's over. Okay, no problem. All right, we'll get to it here. uh, I think it's only Trent Forrest, so... And I love Trent Forrest. Hey, I love... I told you Trent Forrest is my favorite player on the jazz right now. Jeez, Ben. I'll admit my bias. Trent Forrest is my favorite storyline right now on the jazz right now. He's been my favorite player to cover so far this year. Uh, so I'm happy to listen to Trent It's only Forrest. Trent Forrest. But I it's mean, not like Donovan Mitchell's back from concussions and talking about how he's missed, you know, this will be his fifth game that he misses tonight. I think he got hurt last Monday, uh, missed the Wednesday game, Friday game, Sunday, Monday, and he has missed it again today. So he's that's a, that's a long time for a concussion. That's scary, though, because, you know, he had one at this point last year as well uh, and is now having to come back and, and fight through it again. And it's probably good for him. It's not the ideal rest. No one wants to have a concussion. I'm sure that's not enjoyable sleep or, you know, downtime, but... Hopefully it helps his body towards the end of the year. Are you not supposed to sleep with a? You know, actually, in fact, I think it's changed. Not don't allow me to play doctor on the air, but I remember talking to concussion doctors quite a bit uh, at one of our jobs because CTE was just so popular, right? That we would talk to a doctor all the time, and they said, you know what? Actually, one of the new things is give that brain as much rest as possible. Shut it down. Let it rest. They used to think like, yeah, you're going to go to sleep and never wake up. It's like, no, you just had a really serious head trauma you needed to go to the doctor and not sleep it off but sleeping isn't gonna make it worse that's good to know it's good to know i don't know if i've ever have you ever had a concussion in your I life i haven't i've hit my head several times where i probably had a concussion but i never like went to the doctor or anything i had a couple of those where like not getting your bell rung but like kind of you get that weird flash like that white flash when you hit your head hard enough like you run into somebody else and it's like yeah. you really got shook but I, it's never like led to a long term headache or any kind anything like that. I was uh, I was skiing and uh, a little out of control, and I I remember there were two trees directly in front of me, and the next thing I remember, huh. I was I came to on the other side of the trees. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I have no yes. idea how I got from you, one you side got to of the a tree to, to C the other, and you don't remember B. Don't remember B. But yeah, that's certainly bad. hit my head. That's bad. Glad I came to. Because who was it? Uh, Sonny Bono. Not so lucky. No, a lot of In people. In a similar situation. I mean, it's amazing how, how recently it feels like, and a lot of it probably feels cause it, because we're seeing more snowboarding and things in the Olympics. We just weren't wearing helmets for a long time with skiing and snowboarding. I held off on getting a helmet forever. I bought one you for the first how- time. I went 
skiing for the first time two years ago when I hadn't been for like 10 years and I bought one and everyone on the mountain had one. I was amazed at how many people had them because nobody had them when I was growing up. Everybody has them. We've gone from nobody wears a helmet skiing to you're the exception when you don't have a helmet skiing. Which is right. Which is very right. It's amazing that it took us so long to get there. Yeah. I'm still surprised whenever I see somebody riding a bike without a helmet. Because of how many famous people have died from skiing. Like, we have so many examples of people. Well, yes, and just basic common sense. Yes. You're sailing down a hill at 50 miles an hour. On ice. Where there are trees everywhere. Ah, Why would you need a helmet? You're only riding a bike on concrete. Man, why would you need a helmet? Amongst cars going 35 miles an hour all around you. Like skateboarding. Yeah. It is amazing that I never wore one. Ever? I still won't wear one when I go. I still go occasionally. So I'm going to come into work with a blown out knee or an ankle at some point, I promise you. It's going to happen. I'm too no old for offense, happen. No offense, but that's the dumbest and thing I've ever heard. And I still don't wear a helmet. Yeah, when why I go. not? Because I'm an idiot. Because I didn't when listen, I was doing it, and I'm still not going to. Listen, I, I, a couple of years ago, had a, had a co-worker that nearly died because he was riding a bicycle without a helmet. Yeah. Like, nearly yeah. died. Ben, if I ever see you riding a skateboard, oh. I'm 100% serious about this. If I ever see you riding a skateboard without a helmet, I'm going to be mad. Speaking of, uh, well, then don't come to the, don't come well, to the park when I'm, when I'm shredding. Buy don't come to the park when I'm shredding. A helmet. I'll give you a helmet. Uh, Madison Hinkhouse, who uh, runs kslsports.com for us, she was riding her bike in Liberty Park, and she got blasted by a Honda. She really? got hit by a car and got a concussion. At Liberty Park? Yeah. I think I don't know if she had a helmet on or not, of but she got hit things? by a car riding her bike over at Liberty. Yeah, and because got, there's a speaking big, of concussions, a big old bike lane. Like it would actually be challenging to I hit somebody like with a car. Somewhat at Liberty early Park. in the morning, she's like a go getter. She like gets up and is on it. Has like a dog and stuff. Like she's she's an active human being and got uh, got smashed by a car. All right, let's get some jazz sound. Let's they never figured out who did it. So if uh, you saw someone get hit by a car and you know who did it at Liberty Park a couple of years ago. Tweet at us. <laughs> Let's hear from uh, Trent Forrest. Strawberry banana smoothie. Nice. Yeah. I have so many dumb questions. What does your shirt say? You know. Um, it says Kazan. Um, it's one of the sayings Quinn gave us at the beginning of the year. So um, that's kind of what it is. It's just I think continuous improvement. Just continue to get better. So it's kind of been his word for us this year. Um, you know, most like. Two-way guys don't kind of get the opportunity that you got, you know, last night and having a couple other games. What's been kind of like your reaction to that and uh, appreciation of that? Um, I guess my reaction is just not that I expected it, but kind of just that's kind of what you work for to get those opportunities, um, especially like you said, being a two-way, you never know when the opportunity may come or if it will ever come. So um, definitely kind of grateful and I mean, really, that's kind of just the work for it. Just grateful I was able to get that opportunity. What's been the reaction of your friends and family back home? Um, they've all been excited, um, happy for me. So um, they've been waiting for me to kind of be more aggressive, things like that. So, um, I mean, they've definitely been excited for me the past couple games. I was going to say, you were more aggressive in the Phoenix game, right? Like, So what led up to that and kind of what did you learn from being as aggressive as you were? Yeah, um... I mean, I feel like what led up to it is just the past couple games, I was more aggressive um, both offensively and defensively. So I feel like it's just kind of been a combination of just building on the last few games. Um, What I learned from it, I feel like just that I can do it at this level. Um, 
kind of going back to the two-way thing, sometimes it's hard for guys that's in my position, like as a two-way to know kind of if you're good enough, things like that. So um, I feel like that's probably the biggest thing I learned from it. Um, just know that I can do it on both ends at this level. So, um, so I would say that part. Going off the theme of constant improvement, where do you feel like you have really improved since you've been here? Um, honestly, in every aspect, um, from – I mean, defensively, I mean, understanding our system, um, being more confident in my voice, being kind of a leader when I am put in those positions. Um, so I would say just in all, aspect, all aspects of my game, um, I've been able to improve. From the fortune packs that we get to see, we see you out there working one-on-one with her. What are kind of some of the specific things that you guys are, are trying to hone in on? Um, a lot of it is just my rhythm, um, just in my shooting, if it's kind of what we were just doing, kind of one-on-one moves, um, having a good rhythm, a good pace, um, and just knowing that rhythm, um, and being consistent with it. What's the most fun part about living the NBA dream? I don't even know, honestly. I mean, for me, it's just crazy. Just, I mean, being here and being from kind of where I'm from. So just being around these guys every day to being on the road, seeing different players. Um, so for me, I mean, it's like you said, it's a dream of mine. So, I mean, I, I'm still kind of amazed at it every day, just being able to come in and be around the people that I'm around. We were talking to Jared after the Phoenix game. He, you know, hit a three over Chris Paul, and I was like, "That was a big moment for me." He grew up in New Orleans. Like, do you still have those moments where it's like, "Oh my goodness, you know, I'm playing against Chris yeah. Paul, I'm playing against these guys," but you know, I grew up watching it. Nah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's kind of going back to our golden. Like when I got the dunk, like. During the game, I didn't think like that Steph was guarding me, but going back and watching it and talking to my family and friends, they were like, you know, like Steph was guarding you and things like that. And then you do think about it and you're like, like I remember him hitting the shots over OKC in game six, like stuff like that. So now nah, it's definitely kind of surreal when you go back and think about it. There you go, Trent Forrest, who I agree with you, Ben. I think he is a, a great story. I think he's playing great basketball for the Jazz, and he's a blueprint to how you play for Quinn Snyder, how you play your way onto the roster by playing defense. Did you know that Trent is his middle name? Oh, really? What's Trent's first name? You want to take a guess? What What feels like a, a good first name? Lazarus. Close. Right first letter. Huh. But no, not Lazarus. What is it? Landon. Landon? I like Trent better. Landon Trent Forrest. Landon Forrest. That's a good handle. Landon Trent Forrest? Yeah, Landon. It's got a nice like, ring to it. Land and Forrest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like a outdoor his, thing. I wish his first name was Desert. Isn't his uh, cousin? Who's his cousin? Uh, Steve Forrest. Uh, his, his cousin's in the NBA. Uh, Damian Lee. Carl Forrest. Yeah. Damian Lee is his cousin? I believe so. Wow. All right, stay tuned. Wrapping up Jake and Ben. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. <laughs> We 
1280 The Zone. Man, this is a good song. Hard to beat Pearl Jam. Seriously. I want to remind you about our friends at Built Bar, whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter, brownie, cherry, barcia, or salted caramel. Enjoy a Built Bar, 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order by using promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. I do like randomly that Quinn Snyder and Larry Kraskoviak are friends with people from Pearl Jam, and it's not connected to one another at all. I didn't know Coach Knight. I knew the Larry Kraskoviak was. Queen What's, uh, grew up with one of the guys. Oh, well, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yep. yeah, that makes uh, that makes a bunch of sense. So he's like a Pearl Jam. Were dude. you grunge, Ben? I or missed were you it too a little young bit. No, so grunge? like my first cool '90s band, which I quickly learned was not apparently a cool band. People did not like them. Was the Smashing Pumpkins? People didn't like the Smashing. No, people Pumpkins? loved them. About? People loved them, but they weren't like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, grunge. They were kind of that next. We figured out a way to really popularize this music and. Be like big time alt nineties rock, like they were the face of alternative night alternative nineties rock for probably four or five years. But it wasn't like that first cool wave of my understanding of it that included did Nirvana and Pearl Jam, etc. You uh, did not grow up in Sandy. I actually didn't either. But did you know of uh, Top Hat music? Yeah, of course. D- during the height of Smashing Pumpkins, thing rain, whatever you want yep. to call it, like yep. when Tonight Tonight was yes. at its. Yep. they. Played Top Hat music. Oh, that's hilarious. They just came to Utah, went to Top Hat, and played. That's amazing. Amazing. And I think there's still, there's probably more, some examples of that still happening, but certainly not as many as it felt like when we were younger. Was Billy Corrigan on Small Wonder? What's Small Wonder? I don't even know what that is. You've never heard this before? No. Small Wonder is a, a really horrible television show. Oh, yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. People uh, thought he was the kid he on the old TV show. The brother. Jerry Superan, who looks a little bit like Billy Corgan. Right. And it wasn't. You're but right. That but was it does look like him. You're right. And there's another band, like a modern band that has a guy, the lead singer looks a lot like Billy Corgan, too. That was a funny thing. Um, so that was my band. I, when I was blading because everyone was blading in the mid 90s so i was like i was born in 86 so i was probably like 10 or 11 years old and i would blade down to play it again music on 7th east and 24 south it's gone now but i bladed over there and i probably wore my blades into the store i'm sure they were so bothered that i existed and would just like go and rollerblade around this play it again used cd store and i bought two cds and i think one of them was melancholy and Sadness, which was my first like cool album the the tonight tonight smashing pumpkins album and i bought a cranberries album randomly so those were like my first music purchases of my life where i was like i stolen enough money from my mom or what however i got money at that point like you got three dollars you got four dollars here you're just like i'm gonna collect this money that i've been given for lunch in junior high school or whatever i'm gonna collect this i've gotten money from christmas still left over and i'm gonna blade down there and those are the albums i'm gonna buy i've i've told you my kind of uh reasoning why i like records Uh uh-huh and uh, really, I, I say two, but there's there's three, and I'll get to that in a second. Like one with digital music, you don't get to appreciate the album art, which is a thing. Like yes. with buying 100%. records, you, and in fact, like even CDs, you don't even get the appreciation that you get with the vinyl, right? Which is like a huge magazine almost. And then you know the inside, but even CD about, books yeah, were cool, right? Yeah, Very cool. so you miss out on that with with digital music. One reason I like records. The other reason I like records is because it it doesn't force you, but basically you have to consume the whole album as opposed to just picking and choosing the hits that you like. Which I yes. which I also like that. And then third, I love the music store. 
Correct. I love actually going to the music store and flipping through the albums and saying, oh, that would be cool. Or or remember that. Or, the, the, or finding something. The, like, there was something about the finding, like, right. oh, I haven't seen this album in vinyl or CD before, and I found and it. And you get to say hi to the weird hipster behind the counter yes. and, you know, like, hey, what's new, Bob? Yeah. And uh, I feel bad for the younger generation that they're not going to grow up with that. They're going to grow up with just selecting the hit that they like online, never knowing the, uh, an album cover, and never going to Top Hat Music to, to hang out with the cool kids. Yeah, exactly. High Fidelity. Right. High Fidelity. Yeah. Uh, Great it, movie. It is the... There, there was, and it's why people like antiquing. That's like why people go, like going to the DI and like looking for stuff. There is something about the find, which yeah. I remember going to whatever it was. There was one on, also on Seventh East and Twenty First South Kitty Corner, where like the candy store is now, and I can't remember what the store was. It wasn't Circuit City, but there was like a CD oh, shop. Oh, well, not Sam Goody. And it's not Fye. It's Fye now. It was even before that. Yeah, I can't I media play or something. Something, whatever like it was. And I, re- I remember like digging through it. And being like, I found a Daft Punk CD in like 1998 before they were doing like Kanye stuff. And I remember being like, I've seen this video on The Box. You remember The Box? Yes, Channel 58. So I remember The Box. And I was like, well, I'm going to get this album because CDs were, you know, nine bucks or 12 bucks or whatever. And that was like how much we had gotten in a gift card there. And I remember, yes, the find of being like, I recognize this album cover. I want to get that. You're right. And having pure access to everything all the time, well, it's actually good. And, you know, freedom of information is all great. Access to art, music, et cetera. Is per- really amazing. There was something nice about like the feeling, the aesthetic of going into the store, smelling it, finding it. Do you remember you could go like scan the barcode with the headphones on? It would like let you listen to thirty seconds of a song if you wanted to listen to it. There's some fun parts of our life. Ah, uh, the box. Box was good. Were you uh, were you ever mean to a friend when you go over to uh, their house and uh, requ- request you know like five songs and then. You hear a month later when the, his parents get his phone bill. <laughs> I remember calling my mom while she was at work. She was a hairdresser and begging her, like, can I request this song? It's $1.99. I've got to hear the song. And I don't know what it was. I've got to get this I've Sir Mix-a-Lot video. I would, <laughs> I would have the VHS tape ready for when it would come on and I would record it. it uh-huh. And then I would like honestly write down the lyrics. I was, I was a dweeb. No question about it. I was a dork. All right. Want to remind you about the Hot Tub Factory Outlet. Uh, Come join Unrivaled tomorrow from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay, 1201 Factory Outlet Suite. Ben, I will see you tonight, buddy. We got a late one. Late game. Jazz Suns. Should be... Well, I don't know if it's going to be a good game. No Rudy, no Donovan. Although, the Jazz played him tough on Monday, so we'll see how it goes. I bet they don't play as well tonight. You think? Second time around, they're going to want to put the Jazz away and make a point. Yeah, they're going to want to make a point against the Jazz tonight, even though they don't have their two best players. We will talk to you tomorrow. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280. Thanks, Megan. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? 
in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.